Hello and welcome to hitstatnow.com Smack Talk. Smack Talk! The competitive gaming podcast. My name is Spud and I'll be your host for this evening. Joining us tonight, we have a man whose name is synonymous with competitive gaming as a whole. A man who's witnessed the rise and fall of the arcade scene and founded Twin Galaxies, the global score and world record headquarters for video games, Mr. Walter Day. Walter, welcome to hitstartnow.com Smack Talk. Thank you, I'm honoured to be on the show. It's great to have you here. Um, let's see, let's start off at the beginning, if you don't mind. Uh, how did you first get involved in video games? Well, in 1980, I was working at an oil brokerage firm in, uh, in Houston, Texas, and a friend of mine introduced me to video games, and I loved them from the very first moment I found them. And so I played video games avidly for some time, and then in 1981... I opened up a video game arcade as an excuse to be able to play more and more video games <laughs> because I really loved them. So I play I'd play video games to two in the morning every night for weeks straight because I loved playing them so much. <clears throat> and uh, and so uh, I opened up Twin Gal we called it Twin Galaxies. It was in Atumba, uh-huh. Iowa, a small town of twenty seven thousand people, and uh, and essentially uh, essentially. Uh, uh, we discovered after a couple of months of being open that no one was keeping track of the scores. No one was keeping track of the world records on video games. And so therefore we volunteered to be the world record call keeper. And miraculously, uh, the video game industry said, yes, you can be our scorekeeper. And next thing I knew we were the ones monitoring the scores, keeping track of all the scores. So it was pretty amazing, and that led to Twin Galaxies, the arcade, becoming the world's most famous arcade. Did you see many or any uh, world records being broken within your arcade yourself? Oh yeah, a few. But mainly people would come from other parts of the world to play in our arcade, just for the prestige of saying they had been there. But also, that, that was the crossroads. The crossroads for competitive video game playing. Twin Galaxies is now recognized as the historic birthplace of organized competitive video game playing. Excellent. Um, over the years then, video games kind of, they changed a little bit, say, coming up to the 1990s or late 1980s. Um, and high scores, instead of being on one credit and 20 cents, say, they were accumulated over multiple credits. How did this affect Twin Galaxies' ranking system? Well, video game scoring for the first you know, six or seven years, uh, for the first five or six years, was all based on a single credit. Mm-hmm. Later on, there was a period in the late 80s and early 90s when when games would give you uh, an elevated score that would continue to grow as you put more and more quarters in it. So that was difficult. We had to try and monitor that and try and keep, a, keep, try and keep people down to just a single credit score. So in the old days, when we first started... Uh, we would require that people sent in photographs of the screen and affidavits signed by two witnesses in the arcade management. Uh-huh. But we quickly found out that that didn't quite work because people would go and submit, you know, things that weren't true. Yeah. So, uh, so essentially, uh, as time went on, <laughs> as time went on, it led to the current modern era when everything has to be generally videotaped. But now with the advent of the internet being so powerful, uh, lots and lots of scores are submitted 
uh, based on them being posted on the internet and being reviewed by lots and lots of people critiquing them. Would this include the light of uh, Twitch and live streaming? Yeah. Well, Twin Galaxies, see, Twin Galaxies, the organization I founded, I no longer am really involved. I'm just involved in kind of a spiritual sense. Yeah. It's very nice and very rewarding. And the people, Jace Hall, who's absolutely brilliant, he's the one who has brought Twin Galaxies to a whole new level, giving giving the organization a new level of technology that allows it to take advantage of the Internet's capabilities so they can verify and uh, and confirm high scores right there online. People can can submit their scores right there online and have them graded or examined by all their competitors so it's quite quite nice actually cool excellent uh the likes of pac-man donkey kong galaga these were kind of the hardcore single player experiences but as the 90s crept in then there was a rise of kind of versus vs games and fighting games and the likes of that how did this affect kind of the importance of the single player experience in the arcades well uh, there's there's an evolutionary process going on. Uh, different modalities for how different modalities are different ways to determine who the world championship is have cropped up. Uh, there's the single there's the player versus player modality mm-hmm. think from some shooting games and that can either be a team or team versus team or individual versus individual and that involves brackets where they eliminate each other in head-to-head combat. And that's very valid and very important. Uh, most games, most games, even today, after lots and lots of uh, team play and and person versus person uh, games, uh, most games still are uh, a person going after a high score. I think that 90%, maybe even more. I'm just guessing, of course, of the games yeah. of the games ever produced. Uh, are based on high score, and uh, and Twin Galaxies tracks, I think, I think about oh thirty or forty thousand games slash tracks, about thirty or forty thousand games or game tracks are being tracked by Twin Galaxies. So wow, that's a lot of potential champions. There's the potential for thirty or forty thousand champions there. That's so. incredible. That is. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So did the VS games, the player-on-player games, they didn't push back the uh, high-score games in any way, shape, or form then? Well, no, there's a period when high-score became less and less, uh, uh, fewer and fewer people were playing the high-score games for some time, and uh, they were were doing uh, brackets and eliminations like that, and... uh, and that was wonderful. And it doesn't affect Twin Galaxies because Twin Galaxies still has its hands full doing all the huge number of games that are based on high score. Because people still play the high score games, even though there's been all these other different genres that have evolved uh, since the high score era. High score was the only way that could be done back in the old What was the main way, the easiest way to be done back in the old days? But as time went on, more and more people, more and more games begin to have the uh, you know the player versus player or the team versus team, and those are wonderful too. 
And, uh, and even in the context of these player versus player or team versus team games, mm-hmm. there are different things that we can follow and that we can analyze the statistics. See, the games that have high scores or other sub subroutines in them, we can make we can build a statistical database on those, and we do have that. Twin Galaxies has the definitive database for the age of the video game playing, absolutely definitive database, because uh, we have the high scores and team scores and all sorts of things like that that date back all the way back to. Our oldest score, I think, we have in our database is from 1935. From 1935. 1935. That's it. How does this work? Well, that's a gun game, you know, because we also track the size scores on the novelty games. Okay. Okay. Excellent. So, I'm taking it you've seen, you've watched a lot and lot of the uh, the entries for World School videos over the years. Have you watched them yourself? Oh yeah, I've watched a lot over the years. Um, what's the craziest piece of gaming, the most kind of outrageous piece of gaming you've ever seen in one of those? Let me think about that. Of course, Billy Mitchell's perfect score on Pac-Man is one of the most monumental things anybody's ever done. Absolutely, yeah. Because that, you know, that's that's a very, very, very hard thing to accomplish. Very, very, very hard thing to accomplish. And he did it though, so I have to certainly, I have to certainly take my hat off to him. Well, there's probably cool. lots and Excellent. lots of them that I, could, I should probably be thinking of right now to tell you. But uh, uh, And then, of course, the world record on Donkey Kong. See, here's what's interesting about high-score-based games. The truly tough ones, like Donkey Kong, mm-hmm. uh, for a person to get the world record on Donkey Kong, they have to play for a very, very long time to develop the skill set and the familiarity with the nuances of the game. Once they have the skill set built up all the way to the max so that they're a top-level championship player, and that means they're also familiar with the nuances of the gameplay, even then they may not be able to break the world record. And that's because it takes such a perfect performance. Uh, It takes such a perfect performance that you have to have everything work out for you and you can't make any mistakes, and then you have a good shot at breaking the world record on Donkey Kong. And the world record on Donkey Kong now is so high, so unbelievably high, that even the t- even the top 20 experts, if they all were to play 500 games each, uh, the world record might be broken once or twice or maybe three times, but only by inches. <clears throat> it's at a point now where the score is being pushed up an inch at a time. The score for Donkey Kong seems to be, it seems to be moving, but it seems to be moving kind of slightly away from the rival that rivalry that we've seen in the documentaries. Are these new players? Are they younger players or? These are all newer players and younger players. <coughs> the world record now is held by uh, someone who's maybe twenty years younger than Billy Mitchell. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yes, really interesting. It's a very dramatic and dynamic process that's going on. The uh, the uh, the world of competitive uh, high score gaming is still very big and actually growing big again. But of course, Twin Galaxies embraces all gaming modalities and tries to crown champions on as many different modalities as possible. It's very interesting. And on August sixteenth. 
in Ottumwa, Iowa. Ottumwa, Iowa is the place that people remember being mentioned and, and referred to in The King of Kong and also in Chasing Ghosts uh-huh. and also in many other documentaries. Uh, it's considered the birthplace of organized competitive esports. And on Sunday, August 16th, there'll be a large bronze plaque put up on the wall of Twin Galaxies. And that bronze plaque uh, commemorates the historic birthplace of organized competitive esports. And who knows how many people are going to come for that dedication. It's going to be on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock in the morning. But we expect that there'll be hundreds, maybe there'll be a thousand people there. But people who are well-wishers and supporters of the history of organized gaming will be there to celebrate Atomwa's legacy and status and prestige as the uh, historic birthplace of organized competitive gaming. That's phenomenal. That's absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, Do you find a lot of younger players playing uh, kind of retro arcade games there? Because retro seems to be kind of almost... The in thing again, it almost seems hip again, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. That's why there's so many retro places opening up all over the place. And are there a lot of younger players then aiming for these high schools on multiple old school platforms? Oh yeah, lots and lots of people are going after. Well, first of all, you have to realize that retro just isn't 1982. Retro is also uh, 1999, 2000, because... Twin Galaxies, in my opinion, I like to think of it as the elephant's graveyard of historic video games. In other words, when a video game is created, it has it usually has what they call a marketing life cycle that lasts maybe about three months. And then it is no longer really selling and all the marketing energies and public relations energies are pulled off that game and switched over to the next new best thing. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, and when those and when those uh, uh, quite often when new games would come up, the manufacturers might create a leaderboard uh, to go with the game to help promote interest in playing it. There's been thousands of leaderboards because there's been thousands of games, but then after the game loses interest, most likely, most often, those leaderboards are just removed from the internet you can't find too many old leaderboards uh, and all the scores that are put up there are generally just thrown away what Twin Galaxies does is Twin Galaxies is I like to think of it as the elephant's graveyard it's the place where all the games go and find their homes because Twin Galaxies will figure out what the correct rules are find out what the what the uh, the, the, the dishonest tricks are or the bugs or the problems and then standardize the rules for competitive play and then support that game forevermore long after the manufacturer themselves have really stopped paying attention to the game or doing anything to encourage participation with the game because there is no longer a viable source of income for the company. But Twin Galaxies exists to support thousands upon thousands upon thousands of games that promotionally-minded-wise, uh, the manufacturers have sort of abandoned. Maybe that's too harsh of a word. Maybe a manufacturer would come and say, no, we haven't. We still support it. But no, they really don't support it. Uh, but Twin Galaxies uh, has this huge database of a huge number of players with a huge number of scores on a huge number of tracks, uh, validating and verifying high scores 
on legacy games all the way back to early 70s and on some novelty games back to 1935 a few scores mm-hmm. and but also up forwards because once a game once the game falls out out of the marketing cycle after it's three months of of of, of sun it's two months it's three months of being in the sun and being the center of attention it becomes part of history so from my perspective uh, having been the person who started twin galaxies games become retro really fast so that from the perspective of someone who's playing games today uh like someone new who's 16 or 15 they'll uh-huh. hear their they'll hear their older friends talking about the good old days back when sonic ruled the world in 1999 or 2001 because already now those games are becoming retro to some segment of society so be aware that retro that that history is always moving forward and more and more games are being coming part of the historical repertoire of the past. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when it comes to the argument that's going on at the moment about whether or not PlayStation 2 is retro, you'd be on the side of yes, it is? Uh, yes, it yes it is because time marches on and the wave of the future kidnaps the present. <laughs> the wave of the future kidnaps the present, leaving all those things in the past and they're becoming farther and farther into the past. I guess as soon as something, I guess as soon as something is left behind by the current game playing generation, mm-hmm. I would consider that retro. Retro, and not necessarily in that it's an old-fashioned gameplay, but which in case some of the games will be. But it's old. But it's a retro in that it is part of the historical past, and it's a game that was embraced. And then dropped because the whole it's like there's this huge herd of gamers and a manufacturer tries to make a game and get the attention of this huge herd of vast gamers. Uh-huh. Because if they can get the herd of vast gamers to pay attention to the game even a little bit, they will sell hundreds of thousands of not millions of copies. But as soon as they get that herd of gamers becomes disenchanted or bored with that game, they drop it and they move on to the next new thing. And when things drop out of that marketing cycle, they become forgotten. They just become part of history. And so that maybe 10 million people played a certain game. And then after one year, maybe only 500,000 people are still playing it. And then after a couple years, maybe only 10,000 people are still playing it. And then after a few more years, there's maybe only 1,000 people in the world who are avidly playing it. Until eventually, after maybe 8 or 9 or 10 years... Twin Galaxies will come across five or six people who still care that much about the game that they're still trying to break the world record on it. Excellent. And then the cycle picks up and reverses itself, and then after some time there'll be 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 people interested in that game again. But by that time the game has become part of the past and, uh, and as part of the history. And from my perspective, I consider all that retro because it's part of the forgotten history that mainly Twin Galaxies remembers because it's Twin Galaxies' care of duty to be the official scorekeeper, not for now, not for the future, but for the all times from past to the future. Uh, so do, do you believe that Twin Galaxies breathed life back into a lot of these old games? You're saying that uh, 
do you think their numbers increase once again once they hit Twin Galaxies and Twin oh, yeah. Galaxies yeah. are looking after the high scores? Oh yeah, when Twin when people find Twin Galaxies, not everybody knows about Twin Galaxies' existence, even though it's internationally famous. But when people go to TwinGalaxies.com and and they used to love it, let's say they're 30 years old, and they love the games they played 22 years ago and they're 8 years old, mm-hmm. and they suddenly look on the scoreboards, because Twin Galaxies has these thousands and thousands of leaderboards of scores that are actually genuinely verified, and they say, oh my God, I was good at this game. Hmm, maybe I can break the world record. It doesn't seem that high. Or maybe they'll say, oh, I can beat that easily. So they start going for it. So the scoreboard at Twin Galaxies, the leaderboards, does inspire people to come out of the woodwork and revisit that game and reignite their love affair with the game and start following the high scores and submitting world records or attempted world records to Twin Galaxies. So Twin Galaxies does bring like a rebirth back to many, 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 many titles. And as more people discover Twin Galaxies and find out that, my God, this is the, you know, Twin Galaxies is the historical archives of organized competitive esports. It is the original original birth of esports, you know, archives where the rules were first created by Twin Galaxies and then the champions were first crowned by Twin Galaxies and the in, a, in, a, in an archives or a database of statistics, you know, high scores or this or that, was established yeah. Twin Galaxies. And all that stuff now, almost 35 years later, still exists, still maintained, and is still built upon. And so it's a very, very, very incredible service and an absolutely important part of esports history because it's the, the basic beginning of esports. It's the birth of esports. And uh, so all these people will come and find their old favorite game and say, oh, my God, look, at there's the scores. I can beat mm-hmm. that or maybe I'll try to beat it and if I get better at practice, whatever. So, uh, yes, it does inspire more and more people to go after high scores. High scores are still a big thing. It's just that most of the big money contests you hear about involve head-to-head elimination. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of these head-to-head elimination tournaments, the likes of Major League Gaming, EVO, Pokemon World Championships, um, do you watch or keep up with these events yourself? Well, I'm aware of them, of course. But for me, personally, I'm doing the trading card set that I think you're familiar with. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm getting ready to start working on music, so I can't be on top of all this stuff anymore. Twin Galaxies is on top of all this stuff because Twin Galaxies has a pretty, pretty uh, uh, plugged-in, creative, dynamic staff. And, and by the way, people do know where to find Twin Galaxies. I presume it's oh. you know TwinGalaxies.com, T-W-I-N-G-A-L-A-X-I-E-S.com, and it's a and the person who's in charge there, the captain, is Jace Hall who has a lot of skill sets developed in the Hollywood realm. So he's uh, been uh, developing Twin Galaxies as a provider of tremendous, important special content to Twitter and things like that. Excellent, yeah. So what's your take on, when it comes to modern gaming then, what's your take on the like of uh, Microsoft's Gamerscore? Does that mean anything to you? or Microsoft's Gamerscore? Yeah. Oh, you mean there is, are these the online leaderboards? This is a score that gets accumulated through many, whatever games you put into your Microsoft system, basically. Uh, it's an overall score for your entire career on Xbox. Oh, I think it's great. I, I completely support everybody's efforts to develop esports. 
cool, cool. Um, there were a lot of rivalries and battles for high schools throughout the years, uh, especially back in the 1980s. And again, we saw it in like King of Kong. Do these rivalries still exist? Uh, I think that there's lots of... <coughs> I think there's lots and lots of rivals, rivalries. There's still lots and lots of rivalries in the world of uh, classic gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of these rivalries are, are kind of friendly, too. Uh, the ones that were in the King of Kong were a little bit exaggerated. It was exaggerated by choice, intentionally, uh, by the people who developed the movie. And, uh, and it turned it into a very artistic, fun story to watch, but didn't necessarily reflect what was, what was actually going on. Did those men uh, get along with each other in real life, then, outside of the oh, yeah. movie? Oh yeah, like like Billy and Steve. Yeah, they get along. They go and com- they go and compete side by side quite often at different events. Okay, cool. Which is very cool when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of what we saw on the silver screen. That's right. Exactly. Well said. Um, you said that you opened your original Twin Galaxies arcade because of your personal love for gaming. What games did you yourself enjoy playing? Well, actually. I, I'm reasonably good. I'm reasonably good at uh, what is it? I'm reasonably good at Galaxian and Gorf. You familiar with those? Mm-hmm. I am. Galaxian and Gorf, Make Tracks, Centipede and Millipede. I used to know how to play reasonably well, Ms. Pac-Man. I was never that good at Pac-Man, even though I could get maybe 270,000. Uh, I was good at, uh, uh, let's see, Gorf Galaxian, Make Track, Centipede, Millipede. Uh, a little bit good at Berserk, meaning I could have got 40,000, which is no big deal. Uh, and a game called Tutankham. And uh, uh, I think that's about, about it. Maybe about six or seven games. I was... Uh, I was above average good for someone who was older than the other video gamers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, when you say you were above average good, would you be anywhere within the world record realm? No. Well, one, on one game I could have been. Which one was that? It was called Make Tracks. I could have been a world record holder on Make Tracks. Do you, did you find yourself picking up any... Uh, Tips or tricks from watching through other people's high school tape submissions? No, they picked up tricks from me. <laughs> cool. And could you just give us again, if anybody's looking to submit their high scores, where exactly can they go? TwinGalaxies.com. Yeah, they can go to TwinGalaxies.com, which is T-W-I-N-G-A-L-A-X-I-E-S.com. TwinGalaxies.com. And if they want to learn about the trading cards that we're creating for the superstars and for actually lots of people who are inside the gaming field, uh, they can go to thewalterdaycollection.com. That's T. It's just one long thing. The Walter Day Collection. That's T H E W A L T E R D A Y Collection. C O L L E C T I O N dot com. And they can see all the different cards we've created to honor the different. You know, wonderful people who have done great, great contributions to the gaming environment over the years. Excellent stuff. Do you have uh, Twitter tags and Facebook tags to go along with that? 
Um, um, I'm sure they could be searched anyway. Yeah, they can be searched. I'm trying to yeah. think what it would be. No, I don't think we do. I mean, we do have some sort of Facebook pages. Uh, 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 the Walter Day Collection or, or Video Game Trading Cards, something like that. If they search for Video Game Trading Cards or the Walter Day Collection on Facebook, they'll find it. Nice one. Walter, thank you very, very much for coming on hitstartnow.com Smack Talk today. I really appreciate it. I'm honored. Uh, for anybody listening, you can, of course, catch us on hitstartnow at gmail.com, hit underscore start underscore now on Twitter, and forward slash hitstartnow on Facebook. You can catch us on giantmediaball.com and, of course, hitstartnow.com. Until next time, you've been listening to hitstandnow.com Smack Talk. Smack Talk! The competitive gaming podcast. Talk.